deadly wrong to deny any of your fellow Americans the right to vote in this country. Let it be that human rights are women's rights and women's rights are human rights once and for all. Now is the time to make real the promises of democracy. James Madison again at the Constitutional Convention. A president is impeachable if he attempts to subvert the Constitution. Are you fired up? Are you ready to go? Fired up! Ready to go! Welcome to Podgressive. Representative Lauren Arthur here with Representative John Carpenter. It's been a newsy week, huh? Yeah, a lot going on. Um... In the state, in the country, it's been pretty crazy. Hard to keep track, really, but we're going to do our best to give a rundown of everything that's going on, even as news is breaking and we're frantically staring at our phones trying to (laughs) know what's in the Adam Schiff memo. Hashtag release the memo. So it got released, but I guess pretty heavily redacted. Is that that the... Yeah, which indicates to me that they actually have some... uh, pretty legitimate claims to back up why they're arguing this is uh the the FISA warrants were independent of the Steele dossier which is at the central of of that controversy yeah well I'm glad that something got released you know but it is interesting Mm -hmm. uh, the different approach the administration took when it came to the first memo that the FBI and others said please don't release and then memo two they decide that that, you know, might be a risk to national security. So played a whole different ball game there. So it feels political to me, but hard to say. Well, what doesn't feel political these days? <laughs> uh, is George Soros paying you to say that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is, I guess, their defense. So our governor, uh, Eric Reitens, got himself indicted for a felony this week. Yeah, um, he's accused of invasion of privacy, and all of this stems from the incident that occurred during his extramarital affair with his mistress when he tied her up and blindfolded her and took a picture and allegedly threatened her uh, with blackmail. And so the Missouri GOP, I guess, is alleging that the prosecutor is only bringing these false charges against the governor because of George Soros. He who has whose group, I guess, has donated some amount of money to uh, the St. Louis St. Louis City. The prosecutor. Prosecutor. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the right is really good at sort of creating these these boogeymen. Um, you know, these they do it with George Soros and. And uh, like Saul Alinsky, have you ever heard them talking about Saul Alinsky? It's like this weird thing in the on on the right on, in the blogs and on right wing radio where they just have these characters and some from the past, like Alinsky, who uh, they're just convinced that the left is like a secret society with yeah and like trying to achieve some kind of like communist. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. Well, it is weird, and you're right that. There are villains created, but also I found it difficult increasingly to understand Donald Trump tweets because he just uses buzzwords that (laughs) mean nothing like I'm trying to even remember. I mean, he it will be um, 
just like word soup strung together <laughs> with well, yeah. with with words that indicate some conspiracy that I've never heard of. So anyway, back to the <laughs> back to the bigger issue and you've reiterated your call uh, on the governor to resign and I did the same and I don't know about you but I did it because I think this is majorly disruptive and it severely limits the General Assembly's ability to get anything accomplished this year on behalf of Missourians. And I, I, you know, I just think that it's selfish of him, which is keeping in line with his personality, but it's selfish for him to continue under these circumstances when there's so much important work to be done. And obviously Missourians deserve a lot more in terms of leadership. So No doubt. I, you know, if, if he really ran for office because he wanted to improve people's lives and he cared about public policy issues and he wanted to be a good leader, um, then he, he ought to be willing to put his own personal political um, fortunes to the side and see that for the state of Missouri, it would be best for him to step down. Now, I think he ought to also step down for moral reasons. I think what he did was wrong. I think, right. uh, you know, committing felony invasion of privacy is a real problem. Yep. Um, so. So for the actual uh, allegations, I think he ought to step down just because, you know, he ought to do that. And if not, I think we ought to, you know, have a conversation about helping him out. Right. Um, but but yeah, but even aside from the moral side of things, if he really cares about the issues he says he cares about, then he ought to step down so that we can get back to work in Jefferson City and actually get stuff done. Right. We've been here before. I feel like... Missourian, I mean, my first year, the Republican Speaker of the House had to resign because he was having an inappropriate relationship with an intern. And I, as I speak to friends and family and constituents, we are all embarrassed by the fact that Missouri continues to make headlines for all of the wrong reasons. And it is politicians basically creating, being embroiled in scandals of their own making and I, I just, I, I dream of the day when there will not be a major (laughs) embarrassing headline with a Missouri politician attached. We have been remarkably uh, good at staying in the headlines with these scandals. Um, You know, I, it's hard for me to believe. And it's also hard for me to believe that the people of Missouri aren't probably pretty fed up with it. Right. Um, and I think we'll probably see the, the results of that and the elections this year, because you you have all of the um, sort of craziness at the federal level. But Missouri has really got off the rails in terms of its own state problems. So right. I think here in our state, especially, uh, I just got to think the voters are going to take us in a new direction um, this fall and maybe sooner. Please, friends, please help us. Help us <laughs> help you. Um But with that being said, so, you know, in terms of what can actually get accomplished, it's yet to be determined and seen. But we're still having committee hearings. Bills will probably still get perfected and voted on 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 the House floor. And among a very controversial um, subject involves gun legislation, gun control. um, And you and I sit on the general laws committee, right? Law, the, the committee of, of 
laws of a general nature, if you will. And Which apparently includes all of the gun legislation. So do you want to talk a little bit about that hearing on Monday? Right. So Monday looks like we're going to have a pretty long hearing dealing with gun legislation. And, and they did, um, after the tragic shooting down in Florida, um, they did postpone it one week for whatever that's worth. Um, and they did also agree to hear some Democratic bills. So, you know, our listeners probably know that Republicans have large majorities in Jefferson City, and so they control the agenda, and often Democratic bills don't really even get heard. Um, so I give them credit for being at least willing to hear some Democratic bills that try to bring uh, some common sense uh, gun regulations to our state. Uh, but we're also going to be hearing a lot of Republican bills that go in the radical opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Uh so instead of trying to address what happened in Florida by having some common sense bills, instead they want to completely uh, deregulate everything, uh, including one bill that would allow people to take guns anywhere, whether college campuses, daycare centers, bars, churches, city buses, uh, everywhere. And, you know, I think that's probably the most uh, radical bill that they're proposing, although there are there are a number. Sure. As a person who's been in all of those places, like daycare centers, bars, city buses, that sounds like a pretty extreme and unreasonable idea to me. Yeah. Also, I think amusement parks. At least that was uh, that was my understanding. Hmm. So, you know, take, hey, take your worlds of fun, you know. But <laughs> can you bring your gun into the Missouri General Assembly? Well, I think you can't. Is that right? I mean, I so that, yeah. So there are a handful of exceptions, yeah. and of course, lawmakers want to exempt themselves from this provision. Right. Well, that has changed so many times just over our years there that it's it's hard for me to even know where we stand. When when I first went down, they allowed anybody to bring guns in, including mm-hmm. uh, uh, regular citizens, and that was always kind of a a scary thought. Since then, and in the last couple of years, they've put in metal detectors and they've sort of gone back and forth in terms of who gets to bring their gun in. Mm -hmm. I think right now, if you have a a concealed carry carry. permit, Mm -hmm. you can bring your gun in, even if you're just a regular citizen. But if you don't have a permit, you can't. That's correct. That has changed a bunch of times. And in this proposal, this proposed language, it still exempts the Missouri General Assembly, even with a concealed permit. Wow. So that's interesting. So you can bring your gun everywhere except for, except for the... Almost everywhere. Yeah. But one of the exceptions is is where we are, where we like to work. Yeah, but that's so interesting because their, their line is that the more guns, the better, right? The more guns, mm-hmm. the safer. You need more people who are armed. That'll keep everybody safer. So if that was true, wouldn't that be true? Well, also, there was a big CPAC meeting over the last few days. Uh Gun-free zone. Is that right? Did they not let guns into the CPAC? No. That is so hypocritical. That's amazing to me. I didn't even know that. Again, people have been giving speeches over the last few days, espousing gun rights and uh, all the while... They're in an environment where that's yes. not an issue. So I, I remembered that from the RNC. Mm-hmm. Uh, the RNC summer 2016 was a gun-free zone. And I remember that year we had done a bill to allow guns on the college campuses. Right. And the bill talked about how because gun-free zones are, are unsafe and we need to have armed people in order to be protected, including on our college campuses. 
So I remember I offered an amendment that said that that will only go into effect if the RNC also allows guns at the RNC, because that way the RNC can be safe, too. Mm-hmm. And of course, the RNC did not, did not do that. And uh, we never passed that college uh, campuses bill yet, although. It's another one you know, that we'll hear yeah. on Monday. Yeah. That's amazing that even CPAC, the conservative uh, conference, even they yeah. wouldn't allow guns. Amazing. Trump, Trump gave a speech that slammed schools for being gun-free zones. Right. And again, the irony is pretty serious. Uh, wow. But we'll see how it goes. I am glad that there are a number of good um, measures that we'll hear One involves um, a loophole that was created when Missouri passed a law, I think two years ago, that expanded stand your ground laws, expanded that. And then it also essentially got rid of the concealed carry permit. So, yeah. So we call that permitless carry. They would call it constitutional (laughs) carry. And so we still, it's this this weird system. And it's very confusing, I think, to most people because we still have a concealed carry permit in Missouri. It's just, and so you can still go get, you know, train for one and apply for one and pay the fee and do all that. It's just you don't really need it anymore because of the law we passed uh, almost everywhere where you needed a concealed carry permit. Now you don't. And, uh, you know, one of the very few exceptions being <laughs> the Missouri General Assembly. Right. Um, so we're basically a, a state without the need for a concealed carry permit. And, yeah, one of the loopholes in that was that they ended up opening up uh, domestic violence uh abusers to to get guns. Right. One of the most compelling arguments against passing that legislation was the fact that law enforcement didn't want it. They saw the trouble without being able to review permits. And usually they are pretty familiar with uh, with circumstances involving domestic abuse or if there's a particularly volatile situation, they may know about it. And they have they had that right before to deny a permit. Um, you know, with good, with good reason. Yeah. Well, like if there was an order of protection, right. uh, the sheriff, cause you had to go to the you know county sheriff to get your permit. Uh, if, if there was an order of protection against, uh, say a man who was an abuser, that sheriff could deny the permit to the man currently because of that law, which I think every, did every Republican, almost every Republican, maybe every Republican voted yes on, mm-hmm. um, certainly all of our local, uh, uh, Republicans, uh, around us here voted yes. Right. Uh, not only got rid of the permit, so got rid of the training, got rid of the permit, got rid of all of the regulation, but also, yeah, created this loophole where abusers can get guns, which, of course, is very dangerous because uh, those are situations where uh, people often get victimized by guns. Right. So I'm glad that we're hearing that bill, um, and I'm hopeful that we'll <clears throat> make some progress in that area. Which, again, though, is... Let's be very clear. That's just to restore. Right. Right. That's just to go back to where we were, like to fix the problem that Republicans in Jeff City created just in the last couple of years. It's not like it advances us to a, a great new place in terms of gun regulation. It just hopefully fixes uh, what they the screwed up. The problem of domestic abusers having access to firearms. Yeah. Which, which, by the way, was well uh, debated. Right. Like you said, it was the, well known. the Sheriff's Association and others came out against the bill and it told us that that's a what problem. What was going to happen. Um, yeah. And so, you know, overall, uh, when it comes to gun legislation, I 
see Missouri as being on the extreme end. Obviously, the Second Amendment is is important to a lot of Missourians, but this is these are things that if you talk to a majority of Missourians, they find these measures extreme. And so I feel like the the people who are elected are not doing a good job of representing the views of the majority of Missourians that they represent. Yes, I've seen polling that showed uh, from Missouri that showed that by a ratio of 10 to 1, Missourians opposed getting rid of the concealed carry permit. Yeah, that sounds 10 right. to 1, and we still, well, and the Republicans in Jeff City still did it. Right. So, you know, and when you when you do a poll, let's say this bill that we talked about at first, allowing guns into daycare centers and amusement parks and bars and churches and everywhere else uh, where they're currently prohibited. Uh, again, it's overwhelming opposition to doing that. The mm-hmm. people of Missouri do not want to do that. So it's reckless and bad and dangerous, and it's going to lead to people uh, dying, which is a real tragedy. But it's also just politically crazy. People don't want us to do it. So, you know, it gets back, I guess, to the conversation about the NRA and their mm-hmm. uh, sort of outsized influence over especially Republican politicians uh, that get them to do things that the people don't even want to do. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a good place to transition to what's going on uh, at the national level. Yeah, so federally, obviously, we had the big tragedy uh, down in Florida. And since then, there's been a lot of political conversation uh, about what to do about guns. One of the most amazing things, I think, has been to watch the high school students themselves Mm -hmm. and their participation and really taking the lead, uh, to be honest, in that conversation. They've seen during their entire lives, nothing get done. And, and you know what's interesting? All of those kids were born after Columbine happened. So mm. they weren't even alive uh, in 1999 when Columbine happened. Um, and so it's been their entire life has been a, a post-Columbine world. Right. And they've seen nothing ever get done, ever. They're frustrated. They're fed up and they're taking to the streets and doing something about it. And it's been really impressive to watch and I'm you know have a little bit more hope than I would have that maybe something will get done this time yeah I and I appreciate that they don't sound like politicians they sound like real they are real people who have experienced and endured an unimaginable tragedy although increasingly those tragedies are everywhere these days. And so the likelihood that you will encounter or experience that kind of tragedy is that that chance is far higher than it should be or it needs to be. Um, So I'm grateful that they are taking the initiative and um, they're they're not afraid of political consequence for speaking their truth and they're speaking a lot of truth to power. And so the question will be, is power going to listen? You know, people like Marco Rubio and others have been... uh, having to engage this conversation. Um, and getting punked in that conversation. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, because because their views are pretty out of the mainstream radical views. Mm-hmm. And when it runs up against reality of kids and of parents of who lost their children, uh, having to you know ask why this 19-year-old with a clear history of uh, personal problems and mental health problems was able to go buy a weapon of war and murder their children... It's really hard if you're Marco Rubio to defend your radical views when you're, you know, asked mm-hmm. directly those questions. Um, and so, you know, hopefully uh, 
there can be progress. You know, he already said, well, I've never considered uh, limiting the magazine, uh, you know, the clips. And he says, I'm reconsidering that view. Um, and I think things like that are important. You know, I, it reminds me of um, back when there was the shooting in Aurora in Colorado at the movie theater mm-hmm. where he ended up shooting something like 70 people. And he, he had a, a uh, I guess what they call a drum, a 100 round uh, uh, drum ma- magazine that he brought into that movie theater. And it was just amazing to me that even after that, there was no willingness from Republicans and the NRA or anybody to say, yeah, maybe people don't need to buy 100 uh, round drums. Right. To and, have with their we assault already, weapons. We already do that, by the way. Like there are a number of weapons that as a citizen, I can't take possession of because they're deemed too dangerous to to society and or, or they are too lethal a killing machine. And so it is we already do that. It's just worth having or revisiting the conversation of what do we find appropriate and what risks are we not willing to take because lives are at stake. Yeah. And the Supreme Court has made it explicitly clear yeah. that limiting types of guns is perfectly constitutional, including, you know, conservatives. I remember it was Antonin Scalia, I think, who wrote the majority opinion saying mm-hmm. that it is constitutional to limit what types of firearms. You can't ban all firearms right. in America, but you can limit what types. And so it's really not a constitutional question. These laws would be upheld. It's just, is there going to be, you know, the political courage mm-hmm. to do it. Well, I'm more optimistic today than I was even after um, the mass shooting in Las Vegas, which so quickly faded from memory, uh, where 500 people were shot. I mean, that is an unimaginable scale. 500 people were shot in an evening. Um, And again, nothing was done immediately after. And, And so, but like you said, we we now have leaders uh, stepping up, and I'm glad to see that they're young people engaging in the process. Me too. Yeah, yeah. That Las Vegas, uh, you know, and that's why I have some pessimism too. You know, part of me is optimistic in seeing all the kids out there and seeing uh, uh, some people like Rubio, you know, sort of moving a little bit. But you know, part of me, like I remember back when Las Vegas happened. And that was war on the streets of America. I mean, that was mm-hmm. minutes and minutes of absolute war raining down on thousands of people. Uh, and, you know, he had his bump stocked so that he could uh, modify the weapon into an automatic weapon, mm-hmm. which also, from what I understand, completely uh, eliminates accuracy. So there is no way to use that as a self-defense. You know, the only use for it is to spray bullets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even when we had war in America, hundreds of people being shot on the streets, thousands of people running for their lives, politicians didn't do anything. And when I say politicians, of course, you know, it's Republican politicians because people ought to be clear about that. I mean, they're right. the ones who won't do anything. So, I, you know, I hope to God it's different this time. Yeah. I don't know. kind of a tough transition, but there there's another parallel between the state and national level, and that involves indictments. So Bob Mueller continues on in his pursuit of finding out the truth as it relates to Russia and their uh, interference in our election. 
And most recently this week, um, he brought forward a number of indictments against different Russian operatives, correct? Yeah, but it's, it looks like a, uh, a bunch more indictments. Also, it looks like they're getting uh, a couple of guilty pleas, at least, out of Rick Gates, which was the deputy uh, uh, campaign manager under Paul Manafort. Um, so, yeah, the list, <laughs> the list keeps on growing. I mean, it's almost sort of hard to follow the number of both indictments and guilty pleas uh, they've already gotten. And Rick Gates flipped like a pancake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was funny reading Paul Manafort's response. It was something like he's he's disappointed that his business partner has decided uh, to give in, but I'm going to fight all the way to the end. Here's I'll take a bet on this if you want. Uh, Paul Manafort's not going to fight all the way to the end. He's, he's going to cave and he's going to he's going to give up whoever he's got information on. I also this got a little play, um, but I love that. Like, I love that the smoking gun is the fact that Paul Manafort didn't know how to convert a Word document into a PDF. Yeah. <laughs> did you see that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, and just that they were so brazenly discussing over email their fraudulent schemes. <laughs> so saying things to each other like, uh, you know, this looks like it's been uh, altered, please, you know, I, whatever it was like, they're just admitting over the Internet all of the fraud that they're committing. They would have excelled like old school fraud days with <laughs> the craft project where you're like cutting out yeah. this letter yeah. and that letter. <laughs> <laughs> If only. And honestly, though, they probably would have gotten away with it. You know, the only reason. Reminds me of like Scooby-Doo. And I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for you meddling. For the the, the meddling FBI. FBI. But but it's true. I mean, they, you know, only because they happened to end up in the middle of, you know, the biggest international political scandal in American history. Only because of that. Right. Are they getting caught? They probably would have gotten away with all their white collar crimes and uh, died rich and happy. But instead, um, you know, I guess that's one thing we can thank President Trump for is he helped to bring down this band of criminals. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he won't be brought down himself either. I mean, this is all (laughs) part of the master strategy. (laughs) It's really, you know, where does it go next, though? That's a good question. Does it does it reach him and his family or not? Well, it's going to go on for a while, I think. It has been another delightful episode of Podgressive. Thank you for your insight, John Carpenter. (laughs) Well, thank you for yours. Hopefully, future weeks will have less bad news in them. Yeah. No more more felony indictments. Um, And maybe some good news, like we said, on the making some progress in terms of bringing some common sense to the gun conversation. We'll also have updates on uh, the House investigation into the Eric Greitens allegations. And um, we'll we'll make a more serious effort in bringing back some of our guests and friends. And uh, so you don't have (laughs) to. Who should we have? Maybe we'll we'll take guest input from listeners. Yeah, I have a couple of uh, Republicans that I'd like to invite on, or at least to call right. in. We're going to grill them? We'll, we'll, we'll be nice. We'll <laughs> oh, just <okay. laughs> just point out how wrong they are <laughs> on so many issues. That sounds good. Okay. All right. Stay tuned. We'll see you all soon. 